عندي أمل فيك وبكفيك شو بدك يعني أكتر بعد فيك عندي حلم فيك عندي ولع فيك وبكفيك شو بدك إنه يعني موت فيك والله رح CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. This is Free City Radio. 
We just uh, began the program today with a piece by Feirouz, uh, the, the piece is Fik, and uh, that was chosen uh, today um, by our guest, who is Dana Al-Masri, um, who is the force behind uh, Jasmine's Saraya Perfumes, uh, which is a project that has been going on for um, quite a few years here in the city. Um, I became aware of it through the music scene, actually. Um, and one of the particular things that really was striking about this project and learning about it a little bit was the relationship between scent and sound. So before we get into it, I just would like to uh, welcome you to the studio. Thanks for being here. Hi, Stefan. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Right on. So what's this project, I guess, to start? Um, could you share a bit about about sort of the, the, the basics of how you brought this project together. I, I'm sure it was a dream for many years. Now it's a force of, of, of nature. <laughs> right. And in reality, right? <laughs> yeah. um, well, Jasmine Sarai is actually my perfume brand. So it's uh, essentially I run a business now. And uh, under Jasmine Sarai, I connect scent, music and culture. And within that, I have olfactory representations of songs. Uh, the reason I did that was for actually for a multitude of reasons I'd come back from perfume school back in at the end of uh, 2010 so let's say 2011 mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of perfume or fragrance culture in Montreal for one and two I wasn't comfortable uh, working for the larger conglomerates or the larger companies and going down the usual route uh, that is perfumery and how it's the, the usual trajectory. And I wanted to kind of do things on my own where I had more creative freedom and I could just do things at my own pace in the way that I wanted to. And it was also a big challenge because I, you know, starting a business, uh, not only just in Quebec, but running a perfume business that has, you know, like a good 30 to 40 different jobs within that was, you know, an interesting challenge. Uh, but it was also because I had recently understood my synesthesia in perfume school just by understanding that there was a lot of musical lingo that was found in perfumery. And I just thought, you know, perf perfume is so subjective or scent is so subjective and our sense of smell is so particular to each one of us. We have our own smell memory bank. So how about I connect it to something like music, which is so universal and can connect multiple people and then maybe help people kind of understand fragrance in a new way. Instead of it being just a commodity, it could be an experience and it could be a way of life and it could be a way for you to connect multiple senses at the same time. I just wanted to um, note something you said. You said 30 to 40 jobs within it. Mm -hmm. That's that's amazing. So what what are all the pieces of, of okay, what Okay, so basically the fragrance industry works like this like weird beehive. It's very secretive and everyone's working on different jobs. Uh, there's the job of the perfumer who creates the actual scents, but in the large companies, it's like multiple companies that are kind of competing with each other and therefore multiple perfumers competing against each other. Sometimes it's more than one perfumer working on a perfume or a project. From there, you also have an evaluator. An evaluator is the liaison between the perfumer and the client. So he says, you know, this is, let's look at the marketing lingo. What is the, what does the client want to uh, want in their, in their fragrance? Um, and all of that. Then we have the compounders who are actually making the stuff in the lab. Okay. The perfumers send it to the compounders. We have the marketing team. We have the financial team. We have the regulation team. The regulation team is the one that literally looks at all of the fragrances 
uh, and the ingredients rather, which is aroma chemicals that have been synthesized by organic chemists over a variety of of years, let's say, and also uh, naturals, so essential oils. And in those essential oils, a lot of them need to be regulated by associations to be like, well, you know, too much of this might cause a reaction on this person or this person. So perfumers also have to work within those regulations, which is a whole other story. Uh, and we can get into that. But the whole even just like naturals versus synthetic is a complicated issue because everything natural is chemical. Uh, and then we have, you know, the people working outside where like they're sourcing. So you source materials from like all over the world. So perfumery. When it comes to essential oils, all of these natural resources are from, you know, Haiti, from Indonesia, from Bulgaria, uh, from North Africa. There's so many different places where we can get materials. So it's rose and it's uh, neroli and vanilla and all of these things. So there's people who take care of that and cultivate that. There's also the sustainability part of it that's kind of slowly becoming something else. And there's, yeah, there's even more than that. Gosh. How was how striking out uh, sort of an independent space within this process? Because um, Jasmine Sarai um, has, has created this independence within a very corporatized often marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, and, and as a perfumer yourself, uh, you're sort of a public face of it. Um, you're creating it. You're creating the concepts. Um, yeah, that process. Well, the artisan movement is actually something that started a little bit before me. So I kind of got into it right in the middle of its resurgence. So we have the corporate mass, like let's say Calvin Klein perfumes, those are mass market. Then we have niche perfumes and niche perfumes could be like the Frederick Mall or people like um, by Killian, all the stuff that you're slowly starting to find, find it like uh, Holt Renfrew here in Canada, for example. Then there's the artisan and artisan niche, which is where I um, kind of fit in. And that started around like, let's say, let's say about 15, 20 years ago. Uh, there's a quite a huge artisan movement in the United States, for example. Uh -huh. And it's exactly that it pushes the the perfumer to be the forefront, which is something like most perfumers are like ghostwriters, you know, yeah. even in the eighties, like all of the perfumers did yeah. not show up to their launches yeah. because it was something that they, one, they don't get credit for it publicly and two it's not something where they would be in a public um or play the public persona okay. and the artisan is like you do literally everything so i compound like and, and many artisans do exactly that and now it's almost it's a movement it's a norm there's a lot of self-taught perfumers out there because most perfumers it used to be a very like nepotistic french male dominated type of deal now a lot of people don't have access to that kind of education because it's quite expensive it's in France mostly. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of people who are learning on their own. And now artisan perfumers who, are, who have workshops and they teach others mm -hmm. how to do all of that. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I noticed really like in, in the work that you're doing, you're highlighting sort of the culture of scent, um, which, of course, you do see to some extent within the way that perfume is marketed in general. But what I felt uh, in seeing your work particularly was looking at the culture of scent in terms of like cultural identity, mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. terms of music, in terms of sound, um, which I found, I mean, of course, there are independent perfumers. I'm aware of some in the United States, but and I've seen some on social media. But um, it, it, I mean, to be honest, really drew me to what you're doing, because 
um, there's that sense of culture and identity. Um, how was putting that forward and why was that important to you in, in your work? Um, because that's very striking and very different from the way that for mm -hmm. sure corporate perfume is marketed. Well, I think I'm like a highly emotional being. So everything that I do is very connected to to everything that comes out of me is still an extension of that. But I, I think that my experience as an immigrant and living uh, as an immigrant, never really belonging and always identifying with the concept of other and being surrounded by people from various cultures pretty much throughout my life has always informed me and always been an interesting lens for me. So I think uh, that was a starting point. And then from there, I also noticed, especially in perfume school, we were only 12 people and we were people wow. from all over the, the, the world. Wow. And everybody had a very interesting relationship to all faction and it I, and I thought okay that's interesting like us Arabs scent is a part of our ritual it's a part of our culture and I think that's really strong as well I know that I have a lot of strong smell memories because I grew up in the Middle East particularly Dubai uh, and then also you know like the Japanese for example they have a very they have major sensitivities to scent and they they have very specific uh relationships to that so exploring all of those differences i think was really interesting just as a as a discourse you know it's something like why don't people talk about that or how we actually do smell different and why is that based on our environment based on what we eat so it's just a lot of curiosity and things popping up that i was like you know i like seeing the connections between all of that and how can i explore the connections between mm -hmm. between that if that well, makes sense. Yeah, and I, I also feel like there's an aspect of scent and memory in there. Hundred percent. Well, pardon. Yeah, I mean, smell is the strongest sense linked to memory, so it all kind of connects in the in the frontal lobe, and so most of our scent memories are created in the first decade of our lives, approximately, and that all depends on where we grew up and how we grew up. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is connected to our families and what we and food food memories, right? Or flowers or gardens. So a lot of things related to nature. Mm -hmm. And that also informs how we interact with our future environments. And in in the Middle East, we it's even part of our language. So it was almost always kind of embedded in me. It, it, I couldn't really remove that. And I thought that's so interesting. Why don't we talk about that more? And one of your new uh, projects is called Tarab Duo, uh, which is homage to two cities you love and have roots in, which are Cairo and Beirut. Um, maybe if you could highlight that project and how it relates to what you're yes. just saying. Yes. So I like to explore different types of genres and musical um, compositions in, in Jasmine Sarai, which by the way is just the brand. So I happen to do like, I'm a perfumer in the, in, by trade so I can create any scent. This doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be embedded in music, but this is just where, this is the pro, like my love project where no one tells me what to do kind of deal. But the Tarab duet was basically a combination of a few things. It was me looking into scent as culture and how different scent is in different cultures and also my homage to my own family. Um, Cause I, I'm half Egyptian, half Lebanese and I've always oscillated between the two. And I also wanted to create um, so-called oriental perfumes that weren't orientalized and were made by an actual Arab and that had no oud in them. Because that's kind of uh, oriental perfumes, the, the, the fragrance, there's an actual fragrance family called the oriental family, which was 
problematic in its naming. And I think I want to kind of fight against that. It started in the 1920s with a lot of Guerlain perfumes and that idea of like amber and vanilla and spice and that combination created the Oriental fragrance family. Mm -hmm. And from there, mm -hmm. a lot of French perfumers and yeah. white men and all kinds of people who had nothing to do with any of these uh, cultures created this massive fragrance family. Even Yves Saint Laurent created opium, which was problematic for a lot of like Chinese American communities who created like a whole... Um, strike, I think, against against the name. So I just wanted to create something that wasn't oud based, that wasn't like, oh, well, I'm making this to make a lot of money for the Gulf market. Instead, I was just like, well, hey, this is a new discourse. Why don't we talk about how beautiful Arab culture is and used to be? So I grew up with Abdel Halim and Feirouz's music for all of my life. And the, the stories are special in that Feirouz is my father's like favorite uh, singer and he's not very nostalgic. So it was something that I kind of almost pushed on him. I'm like, this is for you. And he's like, no, I don't want it. I'm like, but it's for you. And it's my it's my homage and my remembrance of Beirut, which is, you know, the smell of lemons and the corniche and how beautiful how beautiful it is to to see the, the sea and the mountains within one hour. And so I wanted to kind of capture that and also how much people love Feirouz. I mean, she represents so many different things for so many people and it was the least I could do almost and with Nar uh, which is fire in Arabic it was inspired by Abdul Halim's Hubbak Nar and it means your love is fire and it was an homage to my grandparents because they have a lot of influence on me in terms of my culture and he sang at their wedding and he said what does the bride want to hear and she said Hubbak Nar and that's kind of the story behind that wow yeah, and it's so it's I, it it means a lot. It took me four years to actually come up with with these fragrances. I wanted them to really be perfect, and even the way that I structured them and the way I created them, Hubaknar, for example, he goes round and round and round. He just, you know, tarab. It's it's that connection, that emotional connection between the audience and the performer, and going back and forth, but saying the same thing essentially. So I only used five ingredients in my fragrance, and they it's very linear, so it kind of just goes round and round, almost like fire. Well, in thinking about like tarab music and scent, I, I like can um, think about a very strong relationship in mm -hmm. the sense that a scent is not something that exists just for three minutes. You know, it's it's it, it sort of has a story and can evolves. travel and yeah. it evolves and the same way of, of Tarab music. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, scent and sound have obvious things in common, right? Yeah. They're invisible. They're completely intangible. They're highly emotional. Like, it, it, they will make people cry in a matter of seconds. And on top of that, they're time-based, which is just something that in my art, even in my inter-art, I, I like exploring that. Wow. Thanks for sharing all that. Um, so I've been um, noticing that you've been presenting your work in different spaces, uh, not only in Montreal, uh, in different different cities. Um, maybe if you could share with us a bit about, like, if people wanted to learn more about what you're doing and maybe, uh, you know, purchase any of your scents. Um, are there places people could learn more about the concepts behind your work and also and 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 also where they could go to to mm -hmm. check out um well if you're in montreal i sell my perfumes at general 54 mainly but there's a couple of other places including espace urbain um in rosemont 
I have a few installations, all factory installations coming up wow. uh, in 2019, and hopefully in the spring. And I'll be collaborating uh, with a couple of people. One is a photographer, so we're going to work with oh, scent yeah. and, and visuals, oh, yeah. possibly light, which has nothing in common, which is going to be an interesting um, challenge. Uh, if you're in New York, there's a spot called Perfumari in Soho where you can experience that. And sometimes I do pop-ups. So I have a pop-up with uh, Vintage Villaray and a bunch of other local um, right artists at Le Cajibi. You can come and smell and hear the, the, the perfumes. Basically, I have a little setup where I have like a headphones and the music that inspired each scent. So you can come and smell it and hear it at the same time. I think that Social media does not do my medium justice just because you can't smell anything on social media just yet. So I always think that just real yet. life experiences, yeah, are always actually integral when it comes to smell. Uh, so I think if you're, yeah, if you're in Montreal, that's where I would, I would tell you to, to check it out. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, just reach out to me at JSParfum, P-A-R-F-U-M-S on social media. And we can always uh, have some coffee in my, in my studio, in my home lab, and you can... We can smell some stuff. I'm always very uh, adamant on educating. This whole like framework of, I mean, from a lot of what you shared in terms of like the history of um, quote unquote oriental sense and critiquing that mm -hmm. and the, the new wave of claiming, um, you know, different frameworks of smell and scent to represent um, culture. Um, it's really inspiring to hear about uh, anti-colonial perfume in a sense. Oh yeah, I guess I never <laughs> thought of it like that, but absolutely. I'm just trying to represent, to be honest. Yeah. I don't even uh, know that many Arab perfumers who exist. Yeah. So I just want to represent and change the discourse a little how bit. How is it out there, um, given that um, there, there aren't a lot of um, perhaps people with the same experience as you uh, working in the perfume world? It's isolating. Mm -hmm. Also because I'm in Quebec. So I think that coming back to Montreal, I, I knew that this was my, this was going to be my reality and that there wasn't going to be a lot of sharing, but it's isolating also because not everyone talks about smell the way I do and doesn't have the same obsession. Yeah, sure. Um, but I'm actually okay with it mm -hmm. right because on. I think that that's part of my journey. I remember you did this project where you had sort of different scents and they were related to like a mixtape or you, you had sort of the, the sense within a tape. That's tape the, case. that's my discovery set actually. Okay. So I'm obsessed. I'm a nineties kid, if you can't tell, and I'm obsessed with analog and I just decided, okay, since my, my collection is inspired by music, it's, it's a playlist and I used to make playlists for friends all the time. So why don't I, um, Make you a mixtape almost. The lost With art sound. of making a mixtape, but instead of sounds, there's just sense. But you can also listen to the songs, which is fun. You know, a lot of them, a lot of the songs that I'm using are representing people that I really admire. And it's also people from all walks of life with different genres. So there is an element of representation even in that. Wow. Well, so much going on. Um, yeah, <laughs> always. <laughs> Dana Al-Masri is in studio. Um, thanks so much for being here. Um, we're about out of time, and I, I thought, should we play the Abdul Halim song? Oh, Hubbak Nar? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I guess just one more time, uh, if people wanted to learn more about you and what you're doing, where they could go on, on the World Wide Web. So my website is J-A-Z-M-I-N-S-A-R-A. 
sarai.com, jasminesarai.com. And you can find me at jsparfum, P-A-R-F-U-M-S, at, uh, on, on Twitter, on mm-hmm. Instagram. You can always reach out to, on my email. And please call me Dana, not Jasmine. That'd be nice. Thanks so much for taking the time Thank to you for having uh, me. be here. This has been Free City Radio on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. I'm your host, Stefan Christoph. Do stay tuned. Um, the XX Files is coming up next.
مش عايز اطفيها ولا خليها دقيقه خدني ما احسش بيها نار يا حبيبي نار صحتني نار خلتني احب الدنيا وعيش لاليها حبك نار حبك نار مش عايز اطفيها ولا خليها حبيبي نار صحتني نار خلتني احب الدنيا وعيش لاليها نار يا حبيبي نار هم دوتني في احلى عذاب ببعت لك بعيني جواب مش لوم يا حبيبي ولا عذاب مش اكتر من كلمه Oh